This program is about unsolved mysteries. Whenever possible, the actual family members and police officials have participated in recreating the events. What you're about to see is not a news broadcast. Presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on the wise field. 1993, Unsolved Mysteries received this postcard. It is not exactly in the vein of our usual viewer mail. The card read, Forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you El Sickos will pay. The Circleville writer. It's not often that we become part of a story we're investigating. But in this case, it didn't come as a total surprise. For the past 18 years, residents in and around Circleville, Ohio, have received literally thousands of bizarre letters and postcards. They represent an insidious campaign of character assassination, which some believe has left one man dead and another unfairly imprisoned. You are live right now on Instagram. What's up? My hat is like a shark's fin. <laughs> Did you hear that episode when I put that on there? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode one. Do you know what? I've been fucking up like on the episode numbers or whatever. Like last week was like 125. And like at the beginning, I'm like, oh, welcome to episode 124. And I'm like, God damn it. Like those little things just piss me off. Oh, like, dude. I'm all a- anal about everything now. I hate listening to to it and i'm it's an because ep- i've been so thrilled about every topic that we've done but i'll go back and listen to it and i'm like oh it's gonna be so exciting and i just hear my voice and i'm like oh turn <laughs> it off same here but i'm pretty sure like joe rogan says the same thing or i was listening to uh the fighter and the kid and brendan Schaub, like who i think has a pretty like like infectious like voice like the way he laughs and stuff like that i'll go ahead and mm-hmm. say it man crush monday or whatever yeah um He's like, oh, dude, I can't listen to anything I do. And he has like 17 podcasts or whatever. And like, they're all on YouTube. And he does comedy like every night at the comedy store. And he's like, I cannot stand the way my voice uh, is. Like, I even like when I'm on the microphone at the comedy store, like I just tune myself out because I hate the way I sound. I'm like, God damn, out of all people, like you sound really good. Like, how could you be self-conscious about yourself? So that kind of makes me want to take a backseat. Like, you know, Art LeBeau also hates his voice. Fuck that. I refuse to believe that Art LeBeau... This one goes out to Chucho. Chucho in a Wombat prison. <laughs> Little puppet. Yeah, he hates his own voice, man. Well, maybe it's because it's nasally, kind of like ours. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's made it into a living now for like 35 years, so. Yeah. Probably more. I don't know. He must be longer like, than I've been alive. I guarantee, like Art LeBeau, like he's been like, what's that like when you're the parade and like you're the grandmaster of it or whatever? You get to have like, <laughs> oh, the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you, like he's done that more times for Wasco than anybody in the world. Uh, oh man, do you remember when he used to? Did he used to come here for like Lowrider Nationals? The Art LeBeau Lowrider International. And he's like an eighty-year-old like fucking Czechoslovakian man. And he's Mexican like, people like him. 
Hey man, I love the sound of a Czechoslovakian voice. <laughs> the, this thing. Menudo Cook-Offs. <laughs> Sponsored by Art LeBeau. Dude, when he dies, so many 40s are going to get tipped. Wait, is he alive right now still? Oh, dude, good question. Let me look it up. Jamie, look that up for us. Yeah, we need a Jamie. But anyways, everybody, welcome to episode 126, I believe. Uh, I'll correct myself in the comments of this episode. <laughs> but welcome to episode 126. This is Art. And I discussing shit before the episode actually starts, but it's so good that we're going to leave it in. Guess his age. He's got to be like 89, dude. He's 94. Shut the fuck up. He's still alive? He's still alive, and he's 94. He was born in 1940. Holy shit. Yeah. Talk about Salt Lake City. Oh, he's possibly Mormon. Yeah, possibly. His catchphrase is, Oldies but goodies. Well, of course, shit. Nothing's older than him. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn. Oh, man. Shout out to him, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Shout out to Art LeBeau. Dude, it's a passion for him, dude. He just gets up every morning and calls up local prisons. <laughs> you guys need shout outs? I'll be your puppet is on replay at all times. Um, Before we get started, have you listened to the, uh, you know, because we're from Bakersfield, California. There's a local podcast that our local news station did, the uh, 17 News. Olivia LaVoice did, oh. a, did a news piece called The Man with a Thousand Faces. About the Bakersfield serial killer. Highly recommended. So highly recommended. Let's get her on the Podbelly Network. She just started following me back. That was cool. Oh, that, no that way. Was a big, yeah. I didn't know that her Instagram was private. Oh, okay. So I was like, cool. Dude, Olivia LaVoice, like all like... Like, yeah, she's very attractive, but all, like, shit aside, like, she puts in fucking serious work. Like, you get, like, those, like, cute, like, reporters, like, oh, check out this squirrel on a, on a, on a moped or whatever. Like, no, like, she, like, goes, like, hard, like, on these, like, cold cases and whatnot. I'm like, she's gonna be, like, on fucking CNN or, like, one of the big, like, news outlets, like, like, in five years. Like, I guarantee it, if not sooner, dude. Like, we're lucky to have her in Bakersfield. We've talked to a couple of, like, um... You know, bigger, high-profile guys. I think we talked to Steve from RX Bandits, and we talked about, like, be the change you want to see, you know? Yeah. And, like, Bakersfield's never been known for that. Bakersfield's always, you know, just playing catch-up. Yeah. To have somebody, like, on the forefront and, like, going out and doing and reporting that story and reporting on a podcast format, like, so well told. Like, you couldn't tell that story on television. No. Mainly because it's super graphic as fuck. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a dude that, like, beheaded his cellmate kind of thing you know yeah. like it's pretty intense I'm, I'm only like on episode two three i don't know but it's still really really good I highly recommend is everyone. the whole story out or does it come yeah, out yeah it's all out oh sweet yeah. yeah so definitely go check that i'm gonna check that out when we get done recording with this so art can we like fucking make this like a 20 minute podcast yeah dude let's do it <laughs> no let's I'm speed through it with the help of caveman coffee yeah so I've been up since five o'clock in this morning because Bakersfield had a tor, a tor. I can't storm even, of the century. It was like Mad Max out there, dude. Yeah, no, like no joke. Like, and um, I woke up. It was like four thirty in the morning, and it sounded like fucking uh, the tornado was coming, like an F five. Like, Sound what? like Thanos snapped his thumb and <laughs> Black Panther just disintegrated right in front of me. But yeah, I felt the Valley Fever enter my lungs, and I was up since four thirty. I work in the government. I worked all twelve hours there, and then I had to rush back here. And fucking just low energy as fuck. And I'm like, fuck, I still got to put on a quality podcast for the millions. And millions. Of podcast listeners to Art and Jacob Do America. So I was struggling. Like, what am I going to do? I can't just drink a Coke Zero. Like, that's not enough. I'm not going to go uh, buy a Bang or a Rockstar or a Monster. Like, that has too much sugar. And apparently, according to Dr. Art Trejo over here, it's going to give me goddamn kidney failure. I can't have that. Yes, that so is true. What I decided to do, and if you just heard a little right now is is to crack open a nitro cold brew from caveman coffee company now you can go on their website right now and you can buy a whole case of that for 22 dollars. but if you want free shipping if you want to have 15 percent off of that 22 dollars for a case of nitro cold brew coffee enter promo code america and we will give you 15 percent off that will pay for your taxes that will pay for your shipping and give you a little chunk of change off of that uh, price tag right there. And you're going to be helping us. And we really appreciate that. And helping a quality company as, such as Caveman Coffee, who doesn't use no bullshit-ass beans from fucking uh, Czechoslovakia, the heart of <laughs> the home of fucking Art Lebeau. No, they use fucking single-source um, uh, beans, you know, straight from, you know, quality facilities. 
and I wish I had the name of it right here, but I had it earlier. But anyways, you can trust them. You know, it's purely organic, just quality fucking food that you're getting. So you don't have to just get coffee. They have teas. They have cocoa butters. They even have decaf coffee. I use the decaf, yeah. Yeah. So and not only that, like, think about it. This, how many cups of coffee? Like, if you go to Starbucks and you spend, like, seven fucking dollars on, like, one thing of Starbucks... This is, what do you say, $27 for an entire case? 22 22 for an entire case? Look how many I have on the desk right here. If you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, what, I have like 12 or 13 right here? When you think about it, it pays for itself. Definitely, dude. Especially if you're a coffee drinker. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And you can just get your own just if you want to brew your own. I brew my own every morning, so that's my that's my swag because I like the cocoa <laughs> butter. Yeah. And then, like, I, if you want to get anything comparable, like, in stores, because, like, I'm a big proponent of buying stuff in stores or whatnot. You know, I'm not totally on board with buying everything online. I don't want to make Jeff Bezos even more rich, right? Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of buying stuff in stores. The only thing that comes close to it is, like, a one-pound bag that costs $19. And on top of that, you still got to pay for the tag, uh, the taxes and whatnot. And that's just one bag that's not going to last you as long as, what, how many cans do I got here in front of me, Art? 69. 69. <laughs> it's not going to last you as long as this. But just one of these. I used to drink a whole pot of coffee in the morning. Now I just drink one of these, and I am good for the entire day. You're tip-top magoo. Yeah, two drops under my tongue will have me feeling tip-top magoo. Speaking of tip-top magoo, make sure you check out Fightback CBD, our second sponsor. Definitely go to fightbackcbd.com. Type in America at checkout to get 10% off. That way they know... Who is sending them that way? And they, uh, they're they great people, man. I've been taking some Fightback CBD the last few nights because as I was telling Jacob before we started here, I was uh, having some trouble sleeping. So that Fightback CBD, that lavender-infused one with uh, melatonin in it, oh, my God, dude. It really does the trick to, like, help me, like, puts me in those, like, I can't wait to go to bed tonight because I'm already wearing my hoodie. I'm going to go to sleep in this so I can feel extra cozy with this, uh-huh. like, cold weather. And the cool thing about that is you just put like a couple of drops like in like anything. Like say you put it in like cocoa, hot cocoa or whatever, or champurrado. Oh, Ooh, this is a perfect weather for champurrado. You put that in there, you can't even taste it. And it's like fucking, just, it's just like magic. I, I equate it to like taking like an aspirin if you have a headache. Like this will cure everything that you, not necessarily cure it, but it will take away the pain. It will take away the anxiety. It will take away the stress of the day. So just go to Fight Back CBD like art said enter promo code america for 10 percent off and change your fucking life and tell them aren't jacob sent you but yes. anyways jacob what are we here to talk about today we're here to talk about Ooh, what was that was that a demon that was a demon coming out of my mouth <laughs> actually no that was a little bit of caveman coffee coming back up <laughs> sorry i'm very hungry i haven't <laughs> eaten dinner yet it's all good but anyways uh we're here to talk about the circleville letters this is a topic that I've been wanting to do now for a while because this is one I heard about as a child. One of my favorite television shows as a child, and I bring this up every so often, was Unsolved Mysteries. First time I ever heard about this was Unsolved Mysteries. And for some reason, I thought everyone just knew about it. <laughs> but apparently, it's not that big. Not a lot of podcasts cover this one. No, I, I think only like two other podcasts, like when I went and did my research, only like two or three podcasts did it. I couldn't even find... Normally... The way I look things up is uh, I'll YouTube it and I'll I'll uh, start with YouTube and then Wikipedia. There was like nothing on Wikipedia. Nothing for once. There was nothing on Wikipedia to fucking uh, uh, plagiarize. <laughs> yeah. So I had to avoid Wikipedia altogether. So I thought it was, I, I I love this topic. But did you anything? Did you know anything about this? I had one? no idea about it when you pitched it to us last week or to me last week. I thought you said Circle Bill letters and i was looking up circle bill <laughs> i was like is this the same thing as circle bill letters uh but i guess there's an episode of drunk history that actually covers this as you well you know what okay i saw that because that was the only thing i could find on the wikipedia was like drunk history circle bill letters and then i was like no i didn't get a chance so is it funny did you see it i couldn't get it yeah because i guess it's only available like on hulu oh damn so i need to subscribe to hulu enter promo code america for <laughs> free trial month of hulu but anyways um no i that's something i really want to check out because i guess the other one was like amelia Earhart or whatever that was on the episode that looks interesting as fuck but the funniest thing about this even without watching drunk history is the fact that you know unsolved mysteries initially aired this case and it was a, it's a pretty interesting case as you will see later uh but the the writer or writers of the Circleville letters actually wrote into Unsolved Mysteries a yes. couple months later, and I thought it was the most hilarious thing ever because 
Robert Stack, the fucking, the fucking, made his rules a global icon and a national treasure, a giant, if you will, fucking reads the letter on air and he reads it like a fucking gangster. I was like, the only way Robert Stack could be any more gangster when he's reading this letter is if he reads the letter. Wearing his fucking leather, his black leather that night. <laughs> Assless chaps. You think he hates his voice? He better not hate his voice. If, oh. he, if he hates his voice, there's no heaven. Yeah. <laughs> God doesn't exist if Robert Stack <laughs> hates his voice. But the only way Robert Stack could be more gangster reading this fucking letter is if he put the letter down, slowly looked into the camera, and said, First off, fuck your bitch and the click you claim. West side when we ride. Come equipped with game. You claim to be a player, but I fucked your wife. We bust on bad boys. And then Robert Stack like continues to say N words, N words, fuck for life. I'm Robert Stack, and this is another unsolved mystery. He should have done that. That was a pretty good impression, by the way. Dude, every time I'm reading something about this case, like I just picture Robert Stack or the FBI agent from Beavis and Butthead do America, like like saying this information back to me. Comes full circle. Yes. Beavis and Butthead, man, every time. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's where I first heard about it uh, as a wee laddie. Cause, and I think I used to watch reruns, so I wasn't watching it back when it was coming on. It would just like, what was that one show that would have that boom? A oh, current, a current affair. Yeah, current yeah. affairs. They were like on back to back or something. Like mm-hmm. for some reason, I always think those two shows are like. You're right like, because I think Unsolved Mysteries was actually a show like on CBS, like on Sunday nights or something like mm-hmm. that. And Sunday nights were reserved for the Lord, so we I never got to watch Unsolved Mysteries. You know, the first run of it, but I guess Lifetime, you know, that television for women. Yeah, they showed the reruns on there, and that's how I got acquainted with it because growing up in a single mom household, that's all I ever got to watch was Lifetime television. <laughs> Damn, that's that's a trip, dude. I I'm not jealous. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you shouldn't be. But let me tell you about Circle Bill letters. So Go ahead, basically, sir. Circle Bill, Ohio, is the the town that we're talking about here today. Yes, sir. And the time 1976, Sorry about that. So a series of letters started coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, pretty much all over the town. That's another thing that was really difficult to find about. Because the majority of the story focuses in on this one family. But mm-hmm. it, they were happening all over town where people were getting these mysterious letters saying some very private things about different individuals. The the um, the the main, I would say, like the main character of this whole story is uh, Mary Gillespie. Gillespie. So Mary Gillespie um, starts receiving these letters, kind of keeps it to herself. But it mainly is follows this 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 uh story of it like hey i know you're cheating on your husband with the superintendent of the school district you need to stop this shit she just thinks of uh, thinks nothing of it and kind of keeps it to herself for quite a while until eventually her husband gets a letter Mm -hmm. right so her husband gets a letter and her husband like kind of freaks out and like confronts her about it and she's like hey I was going to tell you her husband's name is ron by the way her husband's name is ron (laughs) (laughs) I was going to tell you wrong. But anyway, so he kind of flips out, and they kind of go through this thing of like, hey, is this true? She denies it. She totally flat out denies it, right? Which, by the way, we'll get into it, but do you believe her at this point? At this point, I would say I would want to believe her because of, you know, she kind of just like whatever about it. But what kind of trips me out when I was doing my research is that she kept both letters. Like, if somebody accused me of cheating, like, on my spouse or my girlfriend or whatnot, I would just be like, hey, check this out. Like, somebody's, like, sent me this letter. Like, that would be the first thing I would do. But she fucking hides them. The fact that she hides it to me is, like, full-on guilty at that point. Mm -hmm. Like, I would be like, why are you hiding this shit? Like, tell me. Like, this is fucking weird. Yeah. Um, I agree. That or throw it away. Like, just be like, throw it away. Like, why would you want to hide it? Like, because... At that point, like that, that's just suspicious, suspicious activity right there. Agreed. And then, I don't know. So, like, she starts becoming the main character over time as well. Mm-hmm. So, eventually, you know, her husband gets one. Basically, like, conf- confronts her husband saying, like, hey, we gave your wife a chance. Do you mm-hmm. have the letter? Looks like Jacob has the letter there. I have some of it. Because um, I don't I don't have any of the letters. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to get because the letters themselves. They're, like, written in, like, block letter like and some cholo learning to write <laughs> <laughs> yeah the bakersfield killer yeah. um 
yeah, like it's in block letters and whatnot. And it's like on like the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> like that's the only way to like think of it. It's like not regular paper. It's like on like a little like like, like cloth paper or whatnot. Yeah. But basically, like the first letter, like Art was saying, said, you know, hey, uh, I know you're having a, an affair, you know, with the superintendent of school. Knock that shit off because I know you have children. I am watching you. Like they would say everything. Like we know what kind of cars and, you drive. Yeah, they always bring up, hey, I'm watching you. I'm watching your truck. I know what kind of car you have and how many kids you have yeah one of the quotes was i know where you live i've been observing your house and i know you have children this is no joke please take it serious you know at this point i was thinking like why didn't they ever question and i don't know about the police investigation but they never really talk about any other neighbors potentially being the person watching them and i think that was is because like circleville was like a very super small town i guess like the highlight of the year was like their pumpkin festival yeah like every october or whatnot yeah, and I yeah. So the the fact that these people definitely got more of a special treatment, even though the whole town technically gets letters, random people throughout the town yeah. get letters. This is definitely the one that they seem to know the most about. So someone's going like really far out of their way to like and know a lot. And this is a time frame too. Like when I was thinking about it, like I was like, so what? You know, if she's having like that's something between like her and her spouse or her and her family, her immediate mm-hmm. family, like if she's having an affair or, you know, the superintendent's family as well. Like who cares? Like who else like in this, this town cares about all that, but you're dealing with a time period. Like this is like 20 years before Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. And that was a huge deal. Um, this is in a very small town. It's probably in a very conservative part of the, the country. Yeah, Ohio. Yeah. And a swing state. And you got to think like, Hey, you know, it's very, you know, family values or whatnot you know so and it's a small town they have nothing to do but to gossip you know so that's one thing as well but the letter that um the husband got yeah that's a pretty interesting one it says gillespie you've had two weeks and done nothing make her admit the truth and inform the school board if not i will broadcast broadcast it broadcast it on cbs posters signs billboards until the truth comes out the CB thing, I think, is really interesting because mm-hmm. that's most people don't even know what a CB radio is. Exactly, because the other two podcasts that have covered this, they said CBS, like the new station. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that actually makes sense. But the CBs are like the same radio stations that a bus driver would be using. Mm-hmm. She was a bus driver, heads up. So like that comes into play. The whole like the fact that they know she's a bus driver and they're willing to broadcast it on a CB radio. Kind of makes me believe that they have ties with the school district somehow. Um, So, you know, at this point, they kind of start freaking out. This is like a little more real, like shit just got real. So they let her sister Mm -hmm. and her um, brother-in-law. So it was Ron's sister, her husband, which was Paul Freshour, who will play a big part later on, and then Paul's sister. Mm -hmm. So they go and they tell them like, hey, like, this is what's going on. Like, what should we do? And then I guess they had an idea of who it might have been. So I guess like they collaboratively, like when you watch Unsolved Mysteries, they're sitting around like the kitchen table, like, hmm, what can we do? And so I guess they came together, put their thinking caps on, and said, hey, we'll send who we think is a Circleville letter writer. We'll send him some letters. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess they all send him some letters back, you know, just saying, hey, knock this shit off. Like, this ain't going on. Like, you don't know us. First off, fuck your bitch in the click you claim. Westside, mm-hmm. when we ride, we come equipped with games, son. True. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they send who they believe is a Circleville letter writer. They send him a series of letters, and those letters eventually stop. Yeah, so for a couple of, uh, it wasn't, was it a couple of years that it stopped? A couple of months. A couple of months that it stopped? Yeah. So it does stop until randomly, and this is really where, like, the story really picks up. Yes. So randomly, um. On August 19th? August 19th. 1977. 1977. <laughs> um, Ron, Mary's husband, gets a mysterious phone call, right? And. The story varies depending on who's telling the story, but most people would agree that Ron had a few drinks to drink that night, but he wasn't drunk. Uh, but he gets a call, and basically whatever that person told him really shook him the fuck up. Yeah. And he grabs his coat, grabs his jacket, runs out without telling anyone anything, and then just gets in his truck and like fucking books it, books it like a maniac. A couple of hours later, I believe, they find his truck, and it's crashed like wrapped around a tree yeah like he went off a ditch and crashed into a tree 
and they noticed that his gun had been fired at one point during this whole event. So already kind of suspicious. Weird. Like, well, who is he shooting at? Who is he shooting at? Was someone else in the truck? And then this is the thing where it's like, I was thinking like those old trucks, like they're just one seater. So someone couldn't be behind it. You know, it was no. before the half cab, full cab kind of thing. So yeah. like, I was like, like a rock. Yeah. So I was like, man, that's fucking weird. Like who could he have been shooting at? Yeah. But it does, you know, okay, so I don't want to spoiler alert kind of thing. We should get to later on, but this is really where the story starts to get interesting because it almost seems like he saw something on the road and he was like, what? Like maybe somebody was holding a sign on uh-huh. the road. And he was shooting at it like, hey, like, because the theory is it's like somebody called because Mary, she never finds out what was said on the phone. And so the theory is, is that it was the the actual writer, you know, saying something to um, Ron. And they, they both had their suspicions on who was writing these letters. Mm-hmm. And the the theory was that, you know, he came out and was like, yes, it is me. And then, like, that's what prompted Ron uh, to run out of the house and jump in the red and white truck and um, hunt this guy down. Now, the important thing to note here is that Ron was not known to be a heavy drinker. He was kind of like me. Like, he didn't drink at all. And But when they found his body and did, you know, the toxicology t- test and whatnot, they found his um, blood level to be at 0.16, which I guess in Ohio is one and a half times the legal limit, which is a lot for somebody, you know, to jump in the truck and, you know, start driving radically and shooting with one hand and, you know, with the other hand shooting like Yosemite Sam and whatnot. So it, it is kind of weird. Like, why was somebody that doesn't normally drink drinking and then shooting at like what what was going on yeah do you think that like why would he leave without telling anyone where he's going you know like mm-hmm. that to me is suspicious unless they told him like if you tell someone this is going to happen yeah or if they said you need to meet us here right now or we'll, we'll i'm assuming maybe like he said like hey we're watching you we know what kind of car you drive because they the guy in the letters, they were saying, like, we know what kind of car you drive. So, like, he's like, I'm watching you every day. So, at that point, maybe he's like, you know what? I need to book it out of this house and meet this guy right now. Because maybe he threatened his children. Because yeah. I believe they had two children. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they had dirt on him, too. Oh, and, like, maybe. Tried to, like, you know, come out or release this information as well. Yeah. Maybe he was having an affair with a fucking uh, secretary. Yeah. With another bus driver. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um. The rival bus driver. <laughs> yeah. For the other school district. But, um. Yeah, so basically he he crashes and he does die. <laughs> Spoiler, he does. Um so a little liquor. Yeah. So he he was found dead, you know, with with, with the uh gun being fired off. And I guess the sheriff initially said that he suspected foul play, but then later on he was like, "Oh, nothing to see here. It was just an accident, you know. It's it's classic case of, you know, drinking and driving and, you know, driving recklessly and shooting guns in the air." Yeah. And this is where the police department themselves start getting letters. Yes. So the police department starts getting letters basically saying, hey, like, you guys are doing a shitty job investigating this. Like, you should be ashamed of, like, your... Do you have the actual letter? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, but they're basically <laughs> saying, like, hey, you're you're doing a shitty job doing this investigation. You should be ashamed of your investigation. Like, And, like, so they get a pretty, pretty, like, solid, you know, like lead with this in the sense that hey this guy sent you direct kind of zodiac style letter of Mm -hmm. like you guys suck at your jobs but the letter itself is written with these block letters as jacob said before you know that that, they remind me of like when you're teaching you know when you're learning how to write as a kid in like elementary school or whatever and they give you that one big block letter thing where you have to like fill in every spot (laughs) there's like three lines and there's like a dotted line in the middle so you know like where to stop like the lowercase levels and whatnot (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's what it looks like the the writing looks like that it's very blocky it's like nobody really writes like that yeah very like you can tell they like slowly wrote it too to get like everything like just just perfectly like blocky yeah so at this point you know the whole town is receiving letters and that's one of the things that you know a lot of people don't talk about but the whole town is receiving letters but these people are definitely the most affected by it yeah and and that's the one thing too i try to look up like what were the other letters because every source you know i used every source available for this they never talk about the other letters that were going on at the same time so i'm assuming this was like the only thing that they had dirt on yeah i i agree or the only people that were willing to come forward or will or not willing to like come out and confess their sins. Well, obviously, because somebody died, you know yeah. of it. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to 
act like a gangster too much and then end up around a tree. <laughs> well, you think somebody else got a letter saying like, oh, no, you're also cheating on your wife. And they're like, yep, I know, you I better masturbate come out. at night. I better come out and say it. Or maybe it was the priest. <laughs> Nobody confesses to the priest. Oh, that's true. Confess to the priest and then he starts writing these letters trying Man, to rectify them. I didn't even think about that. I didn't that. even think about that till just this moment. But anyways, the the, uh, the police department starts kind of getting their own letters. And um, so does the entire city. And then all of a sudden... For seven years, the writing goes dead. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens for seven years. And then everyone kind of starts going back to their normal routine. Everything's chill. And like, and the funny thing about this time period, it's like right here and then, like after Mary's husband dies, she admits that she and the superintendent are having an affair, but it was only after the letters started coming out. That's the most bullshit thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I saw something that said like, they only met each other because of the letters or some stupid shit like that. That started is to connect. too coincidental. Get the fuck out of here. And I was listening to um, one news uh, thing on uh, YouTube that was talking about this. I don't know how true this is because it was the only source I could find that was talking about it. But I guess at the same time, while Ron was still alive, I guess Mary went on a vacation or went on a business trip to Florida with a superintendent. Oh, while, I didn't know that. while Ron was still, you know, alive and in the picture. Allegedly. But according to her, like, they weren't having an affair until after Ron died. That's some bullshit. She found herself in the arms of a strong superintendent. That's some bullshit. I don't believe her for a minute. Nah, I don't either. She's been cheating on him. Oh, yeah. Nobody ever said maybe the husband was writing them to themselves. Mm, maybe. But then he died, so never mind. It's one add up. <laughs> <laughs> so seven years pass, right? Uh, one day, Mary is on her regular bus route, mm-hmm. and she notices that there are a couple of signs on the side of her road on her usual bus route, uh, basically saying like, "Hey, we know, we, we know that you uh, were cheating on your husband." Very like, I don't know. They were they were. I think the one that really caught her attention. Yeah, you're right. Like it was like yeah, like more or less like you know shit she's already heard. Like I know you're getting dick from the superintendent or whatnot. I know they were very vulgar. Yeah, like I know you like a doggy. Like something. Yeah, like like very explicit. And I think she was letting that go. But the thing that like triggered her the most, pun intended, is when they started bringing up the daughter. Now I'm not sure exactly what that sign said that re- referenced her daughter, but that's when she started saying, "You know what? Enough is enough." And she got out. And when she went to remove the sign that was talking about her daughter, she noticed it was a little bit odd. And when she removed the sign, there was actually a box attached to it with a rope. And if you watch the Unsolved Mysteries episode, it kind of looks like a real estate sign, like one of those old like Century Twenty One <laughs> like <laughs> L-shaped things or whatever. And there's a box on it. And if you were to remove the sign. Uh, how the booby trap was supposed to work is the rope was supposed to pull the trigger and the gun was supposed to fire, you know, whoever was there. But I guess they weren't brilliant booby trap artists. And so I guess, you know, the gun didn't go off when she removed it. But it, yeah, it was like, you know, a, a regular handgun. You pointed right at whoever was going to remove the sign, would have went right through the sign and right into the face of whoever was trying to remove that sign. Yeah, I heard that, like, apparently she pulled it, but not in the... Her the booby trapper's goal was that she was gonna yank it out, uh-huh. and then that was gonna be enough force for the the gun to go off. But apparently she didn't do it. She like pulled it very like delicately, uh-huh. and so like it didn't go off. So that's what I saw. On that's weird. Yeah. So you know, obviously they don't know him too well. And what's funny is, is they're like, all right, so whose gun is this? And when they started examining the gun, they noticed that somebody half acidly. Try to rub off the serial number. Exactly what I was thinking. Like, it was so half-assed. Like, this person has been so careful about everything. Obviously, they're thinking about handwriting analysis, doing all these things that most criminals are not doing, and then they only, like, half-ass scratch the numbers out so they would be able to get traced back to the person. Yeah, because I guess they took the gun to a lab and they were able to, like, like, <laughs> like within 30 minutes, the time frame it takes to get a Domino's pizza, were able to raise the numbers of actually who owned the gun. So the interesting fact are is who owned that gun? Paul Freshour? <laughs> is that his name? That sounds like a fucking douche. <laughs> and I'm not talking about like personality wise. That actually sounds like a feminine hygiene product. The funny thing about it is that he's all over the Unsolved Mysteries case. Mm-hmm. And like I actually thought it was a detective at first. Like that, he, that's how far he's into it. All right. So this is going to sound totally biased, but the thing that really sells you on him is the minute you start hearing him talk, it's like there's no way this fucking guy did it. Like, yeah. 
This guy doesn't even care about. He he drops his line saying, "I don't know who did it, but they're not my family anymore, so it's not my problem." Yeah, and like he drops that line. That is not the line that somebody that's like, "I really care about this." Fuck her. Like she screwed my life up. I was in prison for like several years after this. You know, like he didn't sound like that kind of guy. Like he's just very like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go on and like live yeah. life now." He even. Well, spoiler alert, yeah. Um, oh, well, no, I won't get into it. Dang. I won't get into that part of it. But, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it later. But, yeah, like, his whole demeanor is just like, you know what? Like, he's he's very even-killed. He kind of reminds me of, like, a, a character from Cheers, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the guy with the the mustache um, at the bar or whatever. I can't remember his name. The Should fat guy? Yeah. Yeah, he looks, like, basically like that. The yeah, fat guy at the bar at Cheers or whatnot. But you're just like, God, he's, he's almost lovable. Yeah. You know? And you feel bad for him. Definitely. I feel really bad for him. Especially, so, basically, his whole court case was the most bullshit court case ever. So, the police take him in, and once they find out that, hey, this is his gun, they bring him in, and they're like, they try to be his buddy, so they're like, hey, you know, we're just bringing you in, see if you know anything. Which I can't blame him on, because, yeah, if this is your gun, like, yeah, you're going to be prime suspect number one. That's just logic. Right I, there. Yeah, I don't blame the police for this. But then they pulls this bullshit thing. Speaking of handwriting analysis, I brought that up about, like, how the lo- the nobody writes like that. No. This is not someone's natural handwriting. Yeah. So they make him, like, like, hey, can you write like this? So they use that. That same like handwriting analysis of like, hey, hey, can you do? The, can you try to duplicate this? And of course, like if you're tracing something, like looking at it, you know, I'm looking at the caveman coffee logo. I can probably try to draw that if I get to stare at it. And, and like, some people can probably replicate that perfect. Like depending on how how well Paul was, like you know, at you know art, like maybe he he could fucking like you know, you, you see those people all the time. Like they can take a picture of R. Kelly like actual photograph of it and then like make a perfect, you know, illustration where it almost looks realistic of him. Who's to say Paul didn't have that talent as well. You know what I'm saying? And the sheriff tells him, he goes, I want you to try your hardest to replicate this as best as you can. And it's not like he has to be super talented. The things are fucking blocks. Like the letters are, you know how to write. Think of the word, the letter A, the the letter A, Mm -hmm. if it were like in a block shape. I'm sure everyone listening to this can picture that in their mind. Yeah. That's what the letter looked like. Not the difficult thing. You know, a fucking 10-year-old can draw that. Yeah. So, like, the fact that they were using this against him was, like, total bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, there there were just so many things that were just wrong with his court case. But they bring it out in court, and they use that against him. Yeah, and they even, like, the sheriff, like, you know, he says, hey— um, you know, what, wh- why do we have this gun? Like, well, how did this gun get here? And he goes, well, I don't know, man. Like I've noticed like my gun was like missing for the longest time, but I didn't really think anything of it because again, Circleville, small town, not known for many crimes or whatnot. And it's not like he really used the gun for hunting or anything. It was like kind of like a, an attempt like at home security. And it was just like, well, and he bought it like actually from a coworker. I guess he worked at Budweiser, like as a like supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> and he's such a stereotype yeah exactly cheers <laughs> and um he said you know he's just like i didn't think very much of it i had it in my garage and he actually took the sheriff to you know his house and showed him where he kept it i was like in a shoe box above like a little refrigerator like that where he had like his like his coke zeros <laughs> and shit. like it was just like he goes ah, i used to have it right here and then it just kind of went missing and like a lot of this stuff didn't come out like in his defense, like when he went to trial, but he goes, yeah, there was a lot of people in and out of my house. And I guess him and his wife, like were in the midst of like a messy, like divorce. And like, I guess like she, like that wife was actually, um, having an affair on him. And he's like, yeah, there's just like random people, like her friends coming in and out. So like anybody could have taken the gun, but like, I really didn't care. Cause it's not like I was like a, you know, a second amendment or, you know, how to go down to the range every day or shoot some fucking deer or anything like that. He was just like, I didn't think anything of it. Like it, it didn't really mean anything to me. Just totally like the most likable guy ever. And it's just like, yeah, that sounds pretty like reasonable. But, uh, the sheriff, you know, you know, he, he turns him into the district attorney says, yep, the handwriting matches to a T. Mm-hmm. And so he proceeds to go to trial. Um, he's not allowed to, um, testify on his own behalf because I guess his lawyer, I'm not sure if it was a public defender or not or like his own like personal hired lawyer but thought like hey you know we're not going to put you up on there because you know the prosecutor you know he might trip you up because again paul not the most the smartest man in the world but he's, 
he's not going to do himself any favors if he's getting cross-examined by the prosecutor here. Um, they say, hey, if you don't go on trial for yourself, you know, give your own testimony or whatnot, we'll not submit some of these other letters that we're saying are from you, which was this totally ripping Mary apart, you know, his sister-in-law and whatnot. And he's like, oh, that sounds like a fair deal, you know, because that can be used against me. He goes, I guess like three letters were used as opposed to like, I guess, 150 letters. Yeah. So that's the reason why a lot of this other evidence that we'll talk about later didn't get used because that was the trade off there that they'll withhold some evidence in exchange for him not testifying on his own behalf. Another thing that the court case kind of fucked up and it was probably, you know, a lot of I'm glad you bring up the lawyer because um one of Mary's co-workers, another bus driver, while she was on her bus route, on a similar bus route, um, going down that same street where the signs were propped up, where, you know, that gun was at, um, they noticed that there was a yellow El Camino mm-hmm. parked right there, which he didn't own. He didn't own a yellow El Camino. He didn't even match a description of the person that was doing that. And um, Yeah, they said he was tall and, like, had, like, long, flowy, like, David Lee Roth hair and whatnot. Yeah. And he kept saying, bop. <laughs> and uh, I guess when he saw the uh, bus coming by, he like pretended he was going to go pee or something. Yeah. Like, he like <laughs> scattled into the woods or something. Yeah. And like he was trying to like not get himself identified and look like he was going to the bathroom according to the bus driver. Yeah. So um, it was, you know, that was one of those things that didn't get brought up during the court case. Mm-hmm. They didn't even let her testify this. Yeah. So it was, and, and apparently one of the other suspects of the Circle Bill letter writers drove a yellow um, El, El Camino, Camino. And which was a very popular car back in the day, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. You think? You think so? No, it was. Yeah, I know that for a fact. Yeah. I just, I just, and I not get quite that. Quite a like, truck. Not def- quite a car. Definitely yellow. Yellow is the part that, because like, I know El Caminos are really popular. You know, they're still one of the more popular like 1970s cars that are still around today, but. Yellow is kind of tricky. Like you don't see that many yellow cars. That's crazy. Today you don't. No, but yeah, back I, in the day though, flower like power power childs. And yeah, all like shit. yellows, oranges, and brown. Like yellow, orange, and brown was like the palette color for like the late '60s oh, throughout yeah. the '70s. So it's like that was pretty much like your like silver or gray now, <laughs> like that you get for like you know your Mazdas and your Toyotas yeah. and shit. But like yeah, that's what that was like the average color it was like I got a yellow Cadillac, I got a pink Cadillac, I got a brown Buick Riviera. Like it was like those with orange fucking uh what was the General Lee? Like th- that was the color palette right General there. Lee. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't they basically did not let him let let the they didn't let this uh coworker of Mary's testify. What they did though let um come into the case was that they called the um Paul's supervisor and they said that he was off that day so what the prosecution was trying to say was like yeah he had time you know to set up this booby trap so the day that you know Mary you know had that gun booby trap Paul was off that day but Paul had a solid alibi and again he wasn't allowed to submit this alibi I guess he had like statements from people that like put him at home you know in the very morning like even like you know his wife at the time was like yeah i mean he slept in till like maybe like 11 30 he was watching the prices right you know, <laughs> you know like 11 45 70s things yeah he was watching a young bob barker like sexually <laughs> harass one of the uh, female contestants or whatnot but yeah like he had like solid alibis throughout the day like he was at cheers you know getting day <laughs> drunk like he had all of this like to back him up but the <laughs> courts would not allow this it's true and Sadly, he does go to prison for attempted murder. For attempted murder, and I feel like this—the really, really sad part—is that while Paul is in prison, he starts receiving letters of his own. Yes, and they're basically like saying, "Like, I can't believe you're gonna like do time for for this. Like, well, you're such an idiot. Nobody misses you." Mm-hmm. And like, and mind you, he's going through a very messy divorce. His ex-wife is now like dating like some hot David Lee Roth motherfucker with a yellow El Camino and shit. <laughs> Listen to Van Halen too, like eruption and whatnot. Um, so this poor guy's like going through the shitter with this, right? And they throw the fucking book at him, like they give him the max sentence, even though there's no—I mean, there's a gun, but there's no smoking gun to really point it at him. And he's serving the max sentence, which I believe was seven to twenty-five years in prison. And so at seven years. Oh, no. Before that, fucking um, 
the letters keep continuing while he's in prison for these first seven years. And they're all still addressed to Columbus, Ohio, because that's one important thing that I think we skipped yeah, over. Yeah, we kind of skipped that. Yeah, so Columbus, Ohio and um, Circleville are about 25 miles apart from each other. And I guess, like, when I was doing my research, there is a fucking Circleville post office. So if they were to mail something, like, it would have, like, stayed within the town. Uh, it would Somebody would have to physically drive out of town to Columbus, mail the letters to Circleville, uh, just to get it, you know, to get that stamp on it. But while Paul was in prison, which was in Lima, Ohio, which I believe was like 45 uh, miles east or west, I believe, of Circleville, the letters were still were still coming from um, from uh, what was it, uh, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And so that was the weird thing. And so the sheriff, uh, he asked the warden. He was like, "Hey." Paul's still writing these motherfucking letters. He's still harassing people. We need to do something. And so the warden actually put him in solitary confinement where, you know, he couldn't, you know, get any incoming mail. He couldn't get any, he couldn't even put out mail for himself, but the letters were still going out. Yeah. So for me, dude, definitely not him. I don't think it was him. And even the warden believed that too. He's like, after a while, he's like, man, he can't be the actual writer at this point. Yeah. And they just keep coming. And it wasn't just him. It was like other people in the town were getting them still. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, that's the other thing that, like, kind of, like, raises a flag. And, you know, very little is known about those other fucking letters that are just showing up, right? Mm -hmm. And I wish there was more information about them, but there really just isn't. You know, yeah, it's like you'll get, like, a little blurry shot of them or whatnot. Um, But Paul gets... His hearing, his parole hearing, you know, after he does his seven years, this dude did seven years for probably a crime he did not commit. Yeah. And the parole board actually denies him because they're like, you've written way too many letters, even though we put you in solitary confinement. And they were checking his mail, like the mail that was going out mm-hmm. and coming back in. Yeah. So like they, they had the proof. They, they, they had the control test going on, yeah. but they still said, nope, you you write. You wrote too many of these letters. This stuff is still happening. You're still a threat to society. You're like one of the Manson killers at this <laughs> point. Like you, 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 you're not going to get paroled after seven years. But I guess after ten years, he does get paroled out. And then this is where he starts going like full bore, like fucking unsolved mysteries, fucking doing like all this research. And I guess like he he writes. I don't want to call it a manifesto, <laughs> just based <laughs> off of what we talked about last week. Uh, check out out episode 125 but um yeah he starts writing like basically like a research paper of Mm -hmm. all the facts of the case yeah he submits it to the fbi yeah and so god damn it anytime somebody like says like i didn't do it all the way to their deathbed Mm -hmm. is like one of those things that like you kind of have to believe him because like what's the point he's about to die and he does die in 2012 by the way yeah but (laughs) um well, actually, that's all I had on this. <laughs> so tell your mommy. No, no. But um, yeah, he gets out. Um, but after the seven-year mark, I forgot to say this. Yeah. Um, the actual writer says, "Won't you? When will you learn, fool? You, you fool! You hey fool!" <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "When will you learn, fool? We're we're gonna set you up for this crime. Like basically, just like do- totally like dogging him out, like saying like, yeah, like you're gonna fall for this crime or whatever. But other people will fall fall for this as well." Um, I just wanted to point that out too, but like, I thought that was fucked up, but once he gets out again, the nicest guy ever, he, he drops that line. Like you said, where she's like, you know what? Like, this is no longer my family. Like I no longer care about like Mary or whatever, but like this has to stop. And that's when he, you know, even like in the nineties, he even like makes a website, you know, and offer even offers his own money oh, to find what an like, adorable guy, dude. And it kind of sounds OJ Simpson ish, but like, I'm pretty sure this is where OJ got this from. The what if I did it thing. No, he says, he goes, I'm, he goes, I'm gonna dedicate the rest of my life to finding the real killer. And he goes, I'll give a fucking cash reward for anybody who fucking finds like the real person who or persons that are behind this. Yeah. Damn. That's nuts, dude. Like. At that point, like, let's say you just got away with it, right? You're out now. You can just go into hiding for the rest of your life. You don't have to do this shit anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he did it. No, I don't think so either. Um, but what's funny is, is you know, 
right when he gets out, this is when Unsolved Mysteries, you know, releases, you know, the first episode in regards to this. And I actually found like the actual letter <laughs> that oh, fucking yeah. that Robert Stack reads on mail. He goes, "Forget about Cir- uh, Circleville. Do not hurt Sheriff Radcliffe. If you come to Circleville, you El Sickos, you will pay." The Circleville writer. So kind of weird that he's protecting the sheriff. Yeah. Kind of weird in general. I mean, it's still active. Uh huh. At so, this point, because I believe like this aired like on 1993. Yeah. Yeah. God damn, dude. Then that's really, that's the episode I saw. The one that starts off with Robert Stack reading it. Uh-huh. So I never saw the original one. I just saw, was there, I assume there's an original, like. I guess, like, what they did is, is that they, because you know how, like, Unsolved Mysteries would have, like, three cases that they would yeah. look at throughout, like, one hour or whatnot. And I guess, like, that was one of the ones they did. And then next season, they did, like, a two-hour special on Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And they just, like, re-showed, like, the facts of it. Oh, so it was kind of like a rehash, like, Oh, hey, by the way, we got some fan mail. Like, we're called this <laughs> El Sicos. <laughs> El Sicos. So he's uh, obviously Mexican. Yeah. Man. So Build that you, wall. God damn it. Build that wall. <laughs> do you have any theories on, like, who it could be, why they're doing this? I do. Um, oh, shit. Move the camera here. Um, at first, like, you, you brought that up. Like, the whole time, like, when I was doing my initial research, I was like, okay, maybe it was the husband. And then, obviously... It was from bef- beyond the grave. Yeah, before like I found out like he, uh, um, you know, <laughs> died later on for it. But <laughs> like it would make sense. Like you subs- you suspect your wife of cheating. Like how can I confront her without directly confronting her about it? And so like maybe he writes the letters like saying, "Hey, I know you're having an affair. Like I know every intimate detail about you. Who else is gonna know an intimate detail about you than the person you live with and have two children with?" But then he dies. And the letters keep continuing. So I'm like, hmm, it's got to be somebody from within. So another theory that I was thinking about was, okay, maybe it was like a jealous coworker or maybe it was, you know, somebody that like a, like a secretary that kind of saw something inappropriate, like at work, like, Hey, she's coming to drop the school bus off at the the bus yard. And you know, the superintendent, like for no reason is like out there, like, what are you doing out there? And then I started thinking, okay, maybe it's somebody within the family. Like, um, Paul's ex-wife you know she was trying to you know get out of that marriage she was actually having an affair and maybe she was trying to uh, divert the attention away from her so I don't know exactly who it could have been but I can tell you for one for sure thing is it was not Paul yeah I don't think it was Paul either especially since he was in prison for a large portion of <laughs> and it and it continued still and a part of me was thinking like well maybe it was Paul's wife or Paul's children but paul's children were too young mm-hmm. and paul's wife was an ex-wife at this point that would yeah like why would they continue on with this like charade of like like writing fake letters and another part of me too was thinking like well maybe it was just somebody like super bored you know maybe it was just like some in like 1970 incel <laughs> dungeon and dragons player you know somebody that had like all the cheese man on everybody or whatnot um a news reporter you brought up the fact that it could have been a priest you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the more I think about that priest thing, I don't know if that was ever investigated into, like, who do ev- everyone in this town tell their secrets to? Mm-hmm. It's either, like, a therapist or a priest. Or, yeah, I mean, like, if if it's if it's definitely, if the school is not the common denominator, right? Because if, if everyone in the town that was getting the letters all worked for that same school district or all worked, you know, somehow, like, cafeteria lady and yeah. teacher or whatever those are the people getting them then it's like yeah obviously it's somebody at the school but if it's someone else completely outside of that then we got to look at like maybe phones being tapped i don't know i have no idea for 1970s it's really hard to tell because the technology really wasn't, wasn't there. there yeah the patriot act wasn't in- enacted yet yeah and even then it's like maybe the government had access to it but not your average joe yeah so it's like maybe a rogue priest i don't know what their religious backgrounds were another thing too is it's like okay remember i kept making fun of fucking the the ex-wife's paul's ex-wife's like uh boyfriend or whatnot he owned a yellow el camino he matched the description of you know what you know the other bus oh did he really i thought you were just joking no no no, he, he really did and that lead was never followed up with with and i tried to look up some information on him but one person theorized that the reason why the sheriff kept getting brought into it is that maybe they were buddy buddies. He was trying to get with, you know, Paul's ex-wife, 
How do we get Paul out of the picture? He's so lovable. How do we, you know, again, divorce is really frowned upon at this time frame where it's just like it was harder to get a divorce at that time. And it was just like, well, how do we make this, you know, uh, problem go away where, you know, my buddy wants to marry this chick or whatever or get with this chick, but she's got this too lovable of a husband. Mm-hmm. We've got to frame him for murder. We He's gotta... America's sweetheart. Yeah, he is. He's literally mm-hmm. Paul Fredheiser, America's <laughs> sweetheart. <laughs> Give that guy a TV series. But um, that's what I was thinking too. Okay, maybe it was the boyfriend. And maybe the boyfriend had some kind of relationship with the sheriff. Now, if you're the sheriff, you're going to have relationships with everybody in this small town. And that's an elected official. And correct me if I'm wrong, but also the superintendent of schools. He's an elected official as well. Ah. So you got to think like, hey, I got some dirt on some people. If you want it to go away, if you want what you want, hey, this is what we're going to do. Mm, I didn't even think about it from that angle. Mm-hmm. From more of a political, mm-hmm. someone in the, like the upper offices Correct. has dirt on everyone, everyone underneath. Oh. Kind of like a power play. Um, God damn, what was the fucking episode I was watching? I don't want to ruin it for you because this one. <laughs> you said you were starting to watch it last week, but Sabrina. Oh yeah, I just started that. Yeah, there's a, there's a situation in there, but spoiler: alert, there's kind of the same situation where two elective officials are kind of going at it. Or quote unquote elected officials it's about the supernatural, but that's my theory. I don't know, listeners. If you have any other theories, let us know. Go watch Unsolved Mysteries. If you have Hulu, watch The Drunk History. Let us know what you think on that. Definitely send us you streaming yourself watching The Drunk History, <laughs> so I don't have to pay for Hulu. Actually, my girlfriend has Hulu. What am I doing here? <laughs> um, but yeah, I does too, and it's in the next room. <laughs> oh, no, I don't man. just watch it. I don't have Hulu, dude. I only have Netflix. That's all I refuse. I refuse to pay for more. Yeah, but yeah, man. I don't think I don't think Paul did it. I think I didn't know that about the boyfriend. I wish we knew what the boyfriend did for a living mm-hmm. and like you know where he was. And it kind of explains too why like the sheriff was like, "Hey, copy this exactly how you can." Like he kind of like guided the hand uh, the husband. Yeah. To like kind of like at first he's like, oh, I suspect foul play. Oh, wait, no, uh, it's my buddy with the mullet. Looks like David Lee Roth who's <laughs> yeah. going after him. Oh, no, nothing to see here. He he had way too many, way too much wine. Yeah. Damn, dude, he was so framed. Yeah. So fucking and then framed. he dies in 2012, man. Never gets his own justice, man. That sucks. Dude. Doesn't even get a fucking apology. We're going to get to the bottom of this, man. Yeah. Where's Olivia voice at? Love dude, voice. Love voice. We got to hit her up. Make sure she does a follow up to her podcast. To yeah. Like, if you want some real shit, man, the Circle Bill Killers, <laughs> or Circle, so, Circle Bill Letters, Circle Bill Writer. There you go. I saw two different ways that people frame this Circle Bill Letters, Circle Bill Writer. I like Circle Bill Letters. Yeah. But anyways, guys, hope you enjoyed the show. Shout out to Fight Back CBD. Shout out to Caveman Coffee. Go to both of their websites and type in America for ten percent off and fifteen percent off. There you go. And then make sure you support us as well. You can you can also go to Patreon. You can do- donate a dollar for the entire month of November. If you send us one dollar, we will each send you a hand turkey. We will draw out one of those hand turkeys that you fucking have um, in uh, kindergarten class. We'll, we'll make the most elaborate hand <laughs> turkey of all time if you just donate one dollar. But if you decide to be even more generous and you donate five dollars, I will do a five dollar foot long turkey <laughs> and do a foot turkey for you i'll send you one of those so um yeah just if you if you want us to get better at what we're doing if you want fucking hd fucking videos on youtube and uh, live stream in hd like if we you might... want us to have a uh, tupac be the uh, third host and we could just do a hologram of tupac this whole time yeah that'd be badass we can actually move into an actual studio <laughs> oh man instead of my baby's room that's coming <laughs> You could do that. But yeah, if you if you want to support us, even just like so we can start um, printing out merch. We want to do shirts. We want to do stickers. We want to do a bunch of stuff for you guys for listening. Um, you know, just go there and donate a dollar. It will go back into the show. It won't go to buying me an airplane uh, like a televangelist and whatnot. But you can do that. But if you don't want to donate money, if you're like me, if you're cheap like me, you don't <laughs> give your money to podcasts, you can also just go to Instagram, go to Facebook, go to Twitter. Um, we're at Art and Jacob on everything except for at Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob do a one. So just think of ketchup tasting steak sauce when you think of our Twitter. <laughs> uh, go to our website, artjacobdoamerica.podbean.com. Find us on the Podbelly Network where we are uh, in the listings with other great podcasts like the Piecast. We're not sure yet. 
Ectoplasm, The Graveyard Shift, The World Famous Sofa King Podcast, Nerds on Topic, Just the Worst Podcast. I need to listen to, what is the Star Wars one called? Everything Star Wars. Everything Star Wars. I need to listen to those guys. I... You we know, will the, in December the, when the new movie comes the out. The new movie's coming out, so I need to... I listen to other podcasts that are Star Wars related, but I should probably like be a little more loyal to Podbelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just do it. Just go to podbelly.com and find an array of podcasts. And if you want to learn how to podcast, there are several articles up on there uh, that will help you start your own podcast. Um, eventually, there are going to be videos, which we'll get our asses involved with as well. Um, so keep checking us out on the things. Um Art, do you got anything else? No. Tell your mommy, Boo Boo Two Shell, Elizabeth Jackman, Tell Elizabeth Warren. Shout out Fightback CVD. Shout out Caveman Coffee. Go to cavemancoffee.com for 15% off. Type in America and get 15% off. Sorry. And um, just uh, keep supporting keep the show. Keep doing the Lord's work, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far into the episode, thank you so much. <laughs> so, with that said, everybody. Have a beautiful, beautiful night. Good night. And I bet you like the lawyer that's going up against her is like, Sir, I will tell you this one thing. Yeah, he's Foghorn Leghorn. Where did you ever do yard work in your front yard where you do not have grass and you have nothing but but dirt? I said, sir, well, uh, like one time. Then that was the one time that you inhaled the valley fever spore right there, sir. I'll rest my case, good sir, judge. So great.